Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. There's a slight imperfection and you know that a human is behind it. And you feel that connection to the human. So it's the energy of a piece that you can feel, but also the aesthetic of a piece. If there's anything too perfect, then it just looks like it doesn't have a soul. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning-Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have Sarah Sherman Samuel. Sarah is a designer whose work is focused on interiors, architecture, art, and product development. She's been featured in Architectural Digest, Sunset Magazine, Dwell, and Domino, to name a few. Maybe you were among the many who swooned when you saw the redesign of actress Mandy Moore's house? Yes, that was Sarah's work. Sarah recently launched three new websites, Sarah Sherman Samuel, her design portfolio, SSS Edit, a redesign of her personal blog, and SSS Atelier, a virtual gallery of her artwork, large-scale tapestries, and vintage finds, all for sale. She is a designer and artist who is happiest when she's creating and sees the beauty and imperfection. As she says, she likes her house and her furniture to have a little bit of wonk. If you're wondering how she has time to do everything that she's doing, you're not alone. She gets this question a lot. And her answer might surprise you. It did me. Let's have her tell you, though, in her own words. So let's welcome our guest, Sarah Sherman Samuel. I wanted to start by talking to you about this wonderful thing that's just happened, the relaunch of your website, sarahshermansamuel.com. Right. And I'm seeing this as an umbrella to three different portions of your business. Right. Well, also basically three different sites. They all have different backends. <laughs> they do. Okay. So they all have different backends. Yes, they do. Which people can navigate to from Sarah Sherman Samuel. 
Dang, girl, do it. Super, super easy to do. So easy. So you like to take the easy route with everything right, you do. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Clearly, we're kidding on that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have the three different sites now. You have SSS Design. Right. Which is SarahSherbinSamuel.com. Yes. Which is the design portfolio. All your design work is there. Right. And then you have Edit. Right, which that's been the blog that I had started, I don't know how many years ago now, but so all that content we reorganized so it's easier to navigate and then now kind of did a rejuvenation of that site. So we'll be posting more interviews and and just more in-depth posts. So it's the content that you started your personal blog with back in 2012. Right, so the blog's like the behind the scenes, more in-depth, basically kind of like my Instagram, but anything that you need a lot of information for. So it'll be like DIYs and long form interviews with different artists and makers and things like that. And then also some of your product picks are on there, like your personal favorite. Right. Yeah. Sarah's picks. Sarah's picks. Right. That's you. (laughs) Right. That's me. (laughs) Definitely a favorite (laughs) section on the site that a lot of people are like, I see you're getting a new site. You better not be losing Sarah's picks. (laughs) I'm like, no. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's really a destination. I mean, we use it in the office as well because it's just a go-to really as I'm shopping and sourcing for things online for clients and for myself and even for family members because there's fashion picks, there's home picks, there's gifts and stuff for renovating. So it's really just... Anything that I would use myself or put into a client's home, I pick it and then put it into a basically pin board so that we're all on the same page. And then I have someone putting them up on the site so that it's like really an up-to-date catalog of all the things I'm loving right now that are available and shoppable. So when you're redesigning someone's home, like say Mandy Moore, (laughs) are you putting on that portion of the website? Are you putting on things that you pick like for her house or for someone else's home? So if people are saying, oh my God, I love this light fixture or I love this couch, that's where people can go as a resource. Right. Yeah. Also, as I'm shopping, I'm like, I'm looking for a chair to fit this specific spot. So as I'm looking for chairs, it might not be the perfect one for the project, but I'd be like, I love that chair and it would be great somewhere else or whatever. Then I pin it and put it in Sarah's picks. I love it. And then let's talk about Atelier. Yeah, that's the new big one. (laughs) This is very exciting. Yeah. And perhaps the most, oh, I shouldn't say the most personal but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Personal, right. a <laughs> little bit vulnerable because you are showing your artwork on there. Right. Which I have never done before. I actually went to school for fine art in college, then ended up after a couple of years switching majors to graphic design. But it's always been a huge part of me. And in LA, I didn't really have the time or the space to be working on any art other than here and there. But I definitely didn't have any dedicated space for it. Also, our house was so small that if I did pull out something, then it would have to be put back away and all that. But we recently moved to Michigan, I think it's three years ago now. And with that move, it just allowed for so much more creative freedom, have a dedicated spot to create. And how I am, like, I need to be able to touch things, like return to a piece over and over again. And I Mm -hmm. won't if it's like something I have to take out and then put away and then take out and put away. Kind of like stops that creative flow. So to be able to have that space is amazing. And I've been making these plaster pieces basically, I mean, since we got here, obviously we settled a little bit, but (laughs) I hadn't been talking about them publicly or anything or putting them anywhere to share. 
making them for my own house and for some friends. Yeah. But then I started amassing a collection and really creating to create a full collection. And then Atelier was born of that. And then also I'm a furniture hoarder and my we now have a really big storage area in our house and a much bigger house because Michigan you can get a lot more space a lot easier yeah. but I've also filled that up <laughs> so, Atelier also is the home of these vintage pieces I've been collecting for some time yeah and did you say that you are collecting these vintage pieces and then also restoring them or some of them with Michigan craftspeople Right, exactly. So we had a couple of different dining chairs in there. One was a steel one, so I got them repowder coated here. Mm. And then another set of dining chairs, we got reupholstered here. And then there's these tables that I made where the, we call them the pop-pop table after my dad. Like I've been collecting these marble tables that are, I think, from basically the 80s, 90s. Mm. And the proportions are kind of funny. It was like really tall and big side tables, which I think are kind of hard to fit into spaces now. I feel like things are a bit lower and at least the pieces I like are a bit lower and loungier (laughs) and more welcoming. But I've amassed quite a collection of them. And so I separated the bases from the tops and then had this local stone fabricator cut them down and then refinish all the marble and hone the marble. Yeah. A lot of them had like a real plasticky coating over the natural stone. Travesty. (laughs) (laughs) So restoring them so they're like new. And then had a woodworker making the tops. Was the woodworker Pop-Pop? The woodworker is (laughs) Pop-Pop. Okay. I love this so much. Hence the Pop-Pop table. Yeah. Pop-Pop, this is your dad. And Pop-Pop is a woodworker. Right. And this was his hobby as you were growing up? Yeah, he was a computer network engineer, but he always had like full wood working wood shop attached to the house. He was always out there making, like he used to make grandfather clocks, those ornate things. And he's just really skilled craftsman. And did he teach you how to woodwork? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what can you make or what did you make? All sorts. I make all yeah. sorts of things. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, well, I used to sell cutting boards, which we would make, I would make and he would make and I would always finish them because he hates finishing things. Mm-hmm. Like the actual sealing them and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and staining. He hated that part. Yeah. So when I was really little, like five and six, he used to make these model airplanes um, and I would sit next to him with the little miter saw and the balsa wood and make these cat and dog figurines. <laughs> I really wish I still had them. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> I draw little faces on them. I mean, he's taught me so much. In our current house, we trimmed out the bedroom downstairs with I don't know how many hundreds of pieces of trim because, like you said, I like to do things the easy way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it took a, no, yeah, not at all. I really choose the difficult way many, many more often than not. But things like that, I don't know. It's really satisfying doing things with your own hand, too, and being like, look, I made this. Yeah. Did you learn like an attention to detail from him through woodworking? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I haven't really thought of it, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And just also precision, because in woodworking, when you're connecting wood pieces, it's down to the 32nd of an inch. Like It has to be right. It has to be even. Right. So I read that you wrote, I think it was on Atelier, that you value items pieces for the home that have been created by somebody with somebody's hands. Mm -hmm. And 
I wanted to ask you about that, if you connect that with what you saw your father doing and then you got into, and then is it an energy that you respond to? Is it the look? Like, what is that for you for craftsmanship? Yeah, I think all those things. You can really feel, I think you feel more connected to an object when it's handmade, Mm. especially if you know that person. And then also just the innate whatever you're moving your fingers. She's moving her I fingers. Know. Like just right? so sometimes the words don't come. A lot of people can fill them in for me. But we just met. So. Yes. Maybe by the end of this conversation. Right, maybe I'll fill by it the in end. For you. You'll be finishing my sentences. But just the I mean, it is the handmade feel. Like nothing is a hundred percent perfect that you can get machine made. Yeah. Is it the imperfection? Yeah, there's a slight imperfection, and you know that a human is behind it, and you feel that connection to the human. So it's the energy of a piece that you can feel, but also the aesthetic of the piece. I feel like if there's anything too perfect, then it just looks like it doesn't have a soul, basically. Yeah. yeah. I feel that way with music. I can understand what you're saying here. When I hear someone sing, and if they miss a note a little bit, or if there's a rawness to it, I love that over something that is completely produced and sounds perfect. Right, right. <laughs> I got the funniest DM the other day when with the launch, because I very rarely talk to the screen and Instagram, like my face, I don't put in stories, but I happened to do it that day. <laughs> it was all these great feedback about Atelier, but one comment was like, I hope you never straighten your bottom teeth <laughs> because I have like a snaggle tooth on the bottom. And she was like, because it gives it you character and all this stuff. And oh I just wrote goodness. back. I was like, never, because I like my teeth. Like I like my houses and my furniture. You got to have a little bit of wonk. <laughs> yeah. I so love that. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to artisans and craftsmanship, Is this what inspired you to get back into painting for yourself? Like, were you just one day in your home and you were like, you just felt the need to get up and start making art? What was the impetus for you doing it again? Art, to me, is like the place where I can calm my brain, make something with my hands. It really, stepping away from the computer is really important to not get decision fatigue, basically. Mm -hmm. It's just like a palate cleanser for the brain and a refresher. And it really balances off all the the other side of my brain, the design side of the brain, where I have to look at everything a thousand different ways. And designing homes is my favorite type of puzzle to do. But it does, you know, when you're a designer and there's so many aspects, it's like the tile and then and it's a dance too. And, you know, so many moving pieces. And if you change one thing, well, then it might change 10 other things. And, and then it's also very mathematical and methodical. And so it's kind of the the balance to that. Yeah. And so you just started creating piece after piece, and then you decided, hey, I'm going to put it out there to the world on Atelier. (laughs) Hey. Right. Hey. It's Atelier. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it did kind of, when I first did it, it was more for just my home. I really wanted the tile setters that were in the house that we were renovating are just true artists, such amazing craftsmen. And we have so much tile in my house that they were basically moved in with us for three months. And I'd see them every day. And it's a husband and son, not a husband and son, father and son. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just so lovely and so inspiring. And I do remember when he's putting on the thin set was just 
meditative. Like I could just stand there watching him all day long. And that is really what inspired the first piece I did, which is hanging above my fireplace. And then I lived with that for quite a while. And then I made another piece. And then I got all these ideas that I'd start sketching for other pieces. Like, oh, this would be a great one too. And this one would be a great one too. And then I made, it was our nanny, actually, the one that just had the baby's birthday. And I made one for her. That's probably my favorite one where I really thought, you know, I should make a whole collection of these. And tapestries as well. Right, yeah. The tapestries really came from a need because they're really, I mean, and the plastic pieces too. I'm always designing houses, obviously. (laughs) That's my job. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm always looking for large-scale art that isn't $20,000 or because large-scale art can get really expensive. And so the tapestries were really an answer to that because they're huge. They're like six feet by four feet, I think, is the larger size. Well, the other one's six feet by three feet. So they just take up a full wall. And I've been designing these homes where I, I mean, one of my go-to things is I'd much rather have one large piece of artwork than opposed to many small ones. Mm -hmm. And so really that was the answer to that. And I knew I wanted to have it be screen printed, but that was also, how do I do that at such a huge, large scale? How do I do that with a local artisan here? And then I also wanted to, of course, do my own bespoke hanging system. So that enlisted the help of another local metal worker. And it was really born of collaboration. I did the design and this really great, talented serigraph printer pulls the designs, the ink on the fabric. So has that been fun for you moving to Michigan from Los Angeles and then finding a whole new team of artisans and craftsmen that you work with? Yeah, it's been fun and a pain in the ass. Really? (laughs) (laughs) It's been both. (laughs) I mean, it was hard at the beginning because I was like, shoot, I just left all my people, all my craftsmen. And I still use artists. I'm craftsmen in Los Angeles, too, because they're my go-tos. But it's also really nice to be finding these amazing artists and artisans just around me now and knowing knowing they're here and being able to pop by and see the first test sample. Yeah, it's really great. Are people now reaching out to Pop Pop saying, hey, Pop Pop, will you come to my house and do some woodworking design? <laughs> is he getting famous from you? Pop Pop is not for hire. <laughs> I mean, he actually is, yeah. but not too much because I keep him really busy. So I'm like, you can't. You can't drop the ball on my projects. <laughs> I was going to say right now, um, Pop Pop is actually working on creating these doors that I dreamed up. Also not the easiest of designs, but he's so talented. He has one done of five, or actually half of one, one side of one done. And it's amazing for this show house. We're building a new house and he's making the doors, but they're eight foot tall oak doors. And to make five of them, he has to cut 440 squares. <laughs> oh my goodness. Go pop pop. But they are going to be like show-stopping doors. So I'm really excited about those. I bet it's fun for him to be working with you. Right? Yeah, it's really great. And it's so nice because I would have him do stuff for me while I lived in LA, but he could never make big things like that because yeah. it would be too hard to ship out. So it's really nice, I think, for both of us, except when he has to do, he doesn't like doing repetitive stuff. So I was like, maybe I can come over and help you make 440 squares. (laughs) Oh, Papa. He loves the challenge and figuring things out. So when I come up with a funky design, 
we both have fun kind of reverse engineering to get to where I want it to be, which is fun. So moving to Michigan from Los Angeles was your moving back to where you grew up, essentially, yes? Yes and no, because I moved to Grand Rapids and we were from the lakeshore, which is about, I don't know, 35 minutes away. Now, did your mom have a love for design when you were growing up? Is that something you saw? Was she big into decorating your house? Yes, completely. I was just talking to her about that the other day because... There was a few houses. My dad also was very into designing and building houses. So we, even though he worked as a computer network engineer, there was a few times we'd sell a house and then we would build a new and then lived in it for three years and then sold that house and then built a new one. Oh, The last one we lived in, we were in for like 10 years. But I was saying the one house we lived in, we had these blue sofa and chair and ottoman that all matched and they had this floral pattern on it. And the drapery also matched So I know, like, even though the taste wasn't mine, the pieces and the furniture in my house was, like, very carefully, thoughtfully selected, which I feel like I get that. And my mom was always rearranging furniture and wallpapering, and we didn't have a lot, so they also did a lot themselves. Like, my mom would be the one doing the wallpaper. My dad would be building, like, my dad built our dining room table. My dad did any type of woodworking in the house, and my mom would sew us clothes, and I feel like we looked like we had our stuff more together. <laughs> Same as me, basically. We just did it all ourselves, and that's where I get it. <laughs> you know, speaking of doing it all yourselves, I feel like people do look at you, and they see an interior designer who has her own business, a mother. You've renovated your home. You're building a new home. You have launched the site. You have your own artwork that you're selling now, and quite a collection, too, of your own artwork. So I imagine that people are saying, how does she find the time to do all of this? Yeah, I do get that. (laughs) So how do you find the time to do all of this? (laughs) I do get that. What's going on over there? Well, it helps that I have no social life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that does help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Anastasia, our nanny, she's also editor on the blog. Part of it is I don't have a lot of employees, but I have... Okay, so Anastasia, Sarah, and Andrea, and Taylor... It's just super important about if I bring someone on, it just has to be the right someone. And Mm -hmm. all of us wear a ton of different hats, which I didn't even have this a year ago. It was still mainly just me. But this last year was really a year of building. And I didn't put out much last year. It was a lot of just head down and working. And Mm -hmm. basically, if I'm not working, I'm with my family. And I really like spending time with my family. So... I think everybody went through that trying to find a balance last year. And for me, it's really important to end the day at five and spend dinner as a family and put the kids to bed every night. Mm -hmm. So like I said, that leads to almost no social life. (laughs) Yeah. But in L.A., it was different because like I'd have work events and that's where I'd see most of my friends. And obviously the pandemic led to almost everybody having no social life for a while. But I'm also just a homebody at heart. Like I'd rather have people come over and spend time at my house as opposed to going out and things. But there's also, I'm not that good at life things. (laughs) I'm really good at my job. I can say that. I feel like I'm confident at that. So while I have my stuff together work-wise and I really important to spend quality time with my kids. Yeah. Um, If left to my own devices, like if my (laughs) husband wasn't a neat freak, the house would be a complete disaster. But he kind of fills the gap there. 
I get groceries delivered. Like I never yeah. go to the grocery store. And those things take a lot of time. You don't think about it because when you're so used to doing it, you just always do it. But I think it started in LA pre-pandemic when I had kids. I was like, oh, it's so nice to get the grocery delivery. And now, yeah. it's, now it's like all I do. I do do it for time saver, but it, I do it like subconsciously like, oh, I have so much to do today. So, oh, and we need boot. I'm going to call on these groceries yeah. real quick. <laughs> and I don't cook. Rupert does the cooking. Like, I love good food. That's the problem. Mm. So Rupert at least fills in in that realm as well. Well, it sounds like part of the secret is having a good support system. Exactly, yeah. And delegating. Right. So not getting too caught up in maybe the little things that we can maybe tend to get caught up in. Like, can you just walk through your kitchen and if it's a little bit of a mess, you can be like, that's fine because I I need to go paint. Or, or are you like, I just need to clean this oh, no, a little. Oh, no, I don't even see it. I don't <laughs> even see it. That's a superpower. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You moved from Los Angeles. You had a career and a life in Los Angeles, and you were already well-known as an interior designer, and you decided to up and move to Michigan. I shouldn't say just up and move. Well, no, we did. It was very sudden. <laughs> We had lost our mind. But it was pre-COVID time. It was a year and a bit before COVID. And it was because we had the second child. We were in a small house and we were making a rash, sleep-deprived decision. Like, this has to be easier. Let's, I mean, pre-second child, we did talk about, like, one day we might move somewhere out of LA when the kids are older to raise them somewhere with more room and all that stuff. But as soon as Clover was born, we were like, wait, we may, maybe we should try this out now. Well, I'm not going to be working that much anyway because I have a new baby. Roop was new, suddenly freelancing at home. So we were like, well, if there's any time to try this out, now would be the time. So we bought the house sight unseen and moved across, up and moved across the country. <laughs> so it was a sudden thing. 
You bought it off of Redfin, is that right? You just had someone walk through and do the tour for you, and you just looked at yep. it online. Yeah, we found it on Redfin, and then our we had been talking to a, an agent, so she came by and did a whole video tour for us. And then my dad, Pop Pop, came by and Pop Pop checked it out as well. Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gave the seal of approval. Um, but we actually, I had never. We are in Ada, which is just outside Grand Rapids. I had never even heard of it before, and had no idea what it was like. And Luckily, we are very happy with where we landed. Yeah. It's pretty daring to buy a house this way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it, maybe. No, you wouldn't? <laughs> it did all work out. I mean, I love this house so much. But I think because I knew we, we knew it was a fixer, so we had planned on renovating the whole thing anyway. So that worked out. The thing I wouldn't recommend is making decisions when you have a four-month-old and haven't slept in four months. <laughs> Like, maybe we could have done it at a different time. Yeah. And it's all your renovations, of course. It's your design and your ideas and your style and everything. What are some things that you love most about your home? Well, one thing that sold us on the house was this giant round skylight that's like five feet across. And it's in the living room, which also has these 20-foot ceilings at its peak that are clad with wood. And that's really kind of the only thing we kept <laughs> in the house. Outside of that, there's a few things we did, like the spiral staircase up to this library loft that I really like. It's kind of real sculptural. And the pantry, we had never had a pantry before. We even put the fridge in the pantry. So the kitchen can be really, feels like part of the living space, which is, is great. I love just having all the small appliances and all the food, everything that's kind of would clutter up a kitchen tucked away in the pantry. Yeah. When you were setting up your home as far as like bringing in the furniture or artwork or any of the design part, do you have some tricks or tips or tried and true things that you like to do that you've done in your own home that you feel like helps to make like a very warm, cozy, inviting space for people to live in, for you and your family to live in? Yeah, I mean, one thing is always to layer in different varied textures and natural textures. If they're more natural items, things from the earth like wood and wool and linen, your brain automatically reads like things from the earth as kind of grounding and and natural that feels very welcoming and, and warm. What do you hold as most valuable in your home? Well, actually, my mom and my dad collaborated on this set of cladding boards as my Christmas present this year. They're kind of like nested and irregular shape cutting boards, and they fit into each other. And so my mom drew them, and then my dad cut them out and made them. So I think just that they made them together, that feels super special. That's definitely one of my recent very prized possessions. That's really sweet. So you have... Artists all around you, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, none of them will call themselves that, but Hmm. (laughs) But my mom was always doing something creative. I mean, she was oil painting and did ceramics classes and sewing and always up to some sort of craft. And now, like, then she got into scrapbooking when scrapbooking was such a huge craze. And now she does a lot of crocheting and quilting, quite age-appropriate crafts as the time moves on. Yeah. I know your children are young, but do you see them with the creative spirit? I mean, I guess all kids have a creative spirit. I know. Yeah. I don't know if it's any more than other kids, but definitely. And Archie, 
we have some of his, well, we have a lot of their art up in a wall in my house in the dining room. It's kind of a collage of their art, and Archie <laughs> loves to draw. And I've even turned some of his drawings into patterns. And then I'm going to be coming out with a fabric line soon. Mm. And one is created from Archie's drawings of tigers. And it is my favorite one from the collection by far. And I was working on it one night. We were <laughs> It was pizza family movie night. So we we're all watching a movie, but I was doodling on the computer. And Archie looked over and he saw, and he was like, hey, I drew it. And then he realized it was his tiger because he was going to say, like, oh, I drew a tiger like that. And then he realized it was his. And he was like, oh. and I go, I know I'm making a pattern of it. And I was like, I think I'm going to make it into a fabric. And he got so excited. And I, it was, like, just so special for them to see not only me making my own prints and patterns and turning them into products and that they're available for other people to buy, but how proud he was that and I can show him that you can do it from your own artwork as well. So they've also helped on the atelier pieces when it's like the, just sometimes I lay a first foundation of the plaster down and they'll get out there and help. And then I have to, it takes a while for it to dry so I can just go over it after the fact. (laughs) But like just to involve them and see and have them be a part of it. Like, so they were excited that those just launched and were able to see them and that people are buying them. And and then I have a furniture line coming up and we're all going out to LA, furniture line with Lulu and Georgia. So it's my first big furniture collection that I designed myself. Um, and I partnered with Lulu and Georgia for it. And we're doing a pop-up shop in LA for the month of March. And I was telling Archie about that. And I was like, and we're going to be out there and see it. And he goes, oh. If I see somebody buying your furniture, I'm gonna. And he like squeezed me real hard and was so excited. Oh so my it's like, god! Oh, it's the best. It is the best. And being able to sit and do creative things with them is like my favorite thing to do ever. Oh my god, Sarah! I love this so much. It makes me. Um, it makes my heart feel so warm because <laughs> I know, also as a mom myself, and for our kids to see us as Archie's seeing you be creative and put your work out there and be brave mm-hmm. and vulnerable. Right. And then also allowing for some of his artwork to show him what's possible. I mean, it's so sweet and it's so beautiful. How do you encourage yourself just to keep creating and trying something new? Is this something that you're just like feel it in yourself and you just can't help but create? Because I know a lot of people want to, but hold themselves back out of fear or being embarrassed to show their artwork or show what they're doing in case someone says something about it. Do you just like have this feeling like you just can't help create or do you feel the fear and move through it? Um, I think it's more that I just can't help. I crave it. Like I am just happiest when I'm creating and then... I mean, there's loads of stuff I probably wouldn't share. (laughs) But the ones I think are good enough. (laughs) Yeah. But also, I think maybe because I've had that blog and I've had support through that of even when my stuff wasn't good. (laughs) And there's always somebody that's going to like it and there's always somebody that's going to hate it. (laughs) And you just know you're not going to please everyone. And I really just create for myself. And then I'm really feel very fortunate and lucky that it does resonate with some people and that I'm able to do that. Yeah. 
So let's quickly talk about what you mentioned before. You have a furniture line coming out with Lulu in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And who will your textile line come out with? Lulu and Georgia, too. Oh, with them, too? Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. I know. That one's a little further out, the, okay. the furniture lines for our next collection, because that's still in development. But And are you able to say what type of furniture you'll be designing? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. So it's actually a large collection. There's living room set, so coffee tables, multiple coffee tables, side tables, sofa. Mm-hmm a few lounge chairs, and then the rugs and pillows as well. And then dining room, dining table, a couple different dining tables, dining chairs, sideboard, and then bedroom set as well. So beds, <laughs> nightstands, dressers. The whole house. And wallpaper. Yeah, the whole house. Piece for every room. It's launching February 22nd. The collection comes out. Very exciting. Yeah. This one is, it also feels like my super baby because... I had wanted to make a furniture collection for so long, and one of the coffee tables that's in it, I had made for actually Mandy Moore, since you mentioned her. Mm. I designed it for her living room, and so that was featured in Arc Digest, I, don't, I think it's four years ago. Yeah. And there's other pieces I've designed along the way that I've been saving. That's the other way I do things, by the way, to jump back to your other question. Yeah was, okay, I'm coming out with this huge collection, but I've actually been working on it for over four years. Mm. So it's not something I just whipped up one day. And it's just something that if I hit a wall with like, okay, say I'm working on a client's house and I feel like, eh, I'm not feeling the creative juice flowing on this right now, I'll jump to a different aspect of design. So then Mm. maybe I'll sit and work on this chair design for a little bit. Or maybe I'll draw patterns for this wallpaper that I'm coming out with. Or maybe I'll jump to this other house that I'm working on. I mean, some of the things, you know, you have to do because of a deadline, but I'm able to do different aspects of design and they all kind of feed each other. Because if I hit a wall with one, then I can go to another and that will inspire me in a different way. And then I'll take that inspiration and take it back to the project that I put on hold for a bit. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot of jumping around, but gets the job done. (laughs) Always creating. Mm Mm-hmm. A true artist. Um, (laughs) So as we're rounding out this conversation, I have one other question I wanted to ask you. What does being home mean to you? I mean, the saying home is sanctuary really rings true for me. I think being at home means to be your most comfortable self. And if you're lucky, of course, with the people that you love the most, and it's a place where you feel the safest. That sounds lovely to me. (laughs) I'm just excited to see everything that's going on with you, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you again for taking time today to talk with me. To learn more about Sarah's design work, head over to sarahshermansamuel.com. For her artwork and vintage finds for sale, take a look at sssatelier.com. And for interviews, Sarah's picks, and DIYs and more, visit sssedit.com. Or you can find her on Instagram at sarahshermansamuel. Also, keep an eye out for her first big furniture line that will be launching on February 22nd in partnership with Lulu and Georgia. Be sure to visit our show notes for direct links to where you can discover everything that's going on with Sarah Sherman Samuel. You've been listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning-Grossman. Executive produced by Eve Epstein. 
The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.